Do your chickens suffer from rusting beak face? Well, we have the cure. Grubbly Farm Grubblies. Grubblies are a delicious snack with benefits. Grubblies have 50 times more calcium than mealworms, which promotes stronger eggshells and flashier feathers. And who doesn't love a good Grubblies happy hour? Grab yourself a beverage, throw your hens and roos some Grubblies, and relax while watching chicken TV. Make sure that you order your Grubbly Farms Grubblies today and save 15% off your first order using code FARM15 at grubblyfarms.com. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking today? So I made myself a super fancy, better than a gin and tonic. Ooh, is it really better than a gin and tonic? Yes, it is really better than a gin and tonic <laughs> because instead of using tonic, I use lemon San Peregrino. <laughs> oh, nice. And it's so good. And I have a new favorite gin. So my favorite gin used to be Hendrix, which I still love Hendrix gin, but I'm super into Empress gin right now. It's purple. Mm. And it's pretty amazing looking. (laughs) Yes, it is. So what did you open over there? So today I have a North Pier Brewing Company Naked Tiki. Mm. It is a craft cocktail in a can. And it's vodka with mango, almond, and lemon lime. And it's only 95 calories. Ooh. And I tasted it and it doesn't taste like crap. So. <laughs> that's good. That's yes. good. <laughs> Winning at everything with this drink. Nice. <laughs> Our drink peep this episode is Kayla Wood, and she is at Honey Creek Homestead over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right. So for today's episode, we are going to talk about fencing. Hooray! (laughs) You're probably like, ah, fencing. But yeah, it's not going to be as boring as you think. So please don't don't shut us off. (laughs) We're actually going to talk about our lessons learned. So we're going to let you guys know what we wish we would have known or really great things that we learned while doing a big fencing project. So hopefully this will help you out in the long run. If you have a fencing project in your future. Yeah. And, you know, I think anyone who ends up with livestock, whether they want to or not, eventually has to have a fencing project. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So this will be really good for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. So, Bev, what would you say is your first lesson learned from all of your fencing adventures? So my first lesson learned or the most important lesson in my humble fence building opinion so far is to build more gates than you think you need. Like build actual gates or build space for gates? 
Build space for gates. Oh, okay. oh okay. I don't build my own gates. No, I'm super picky about the gates. I know you guys had trouble finding them for a while, but dang, did Jared like become a welder? <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't build the gates. We just build the space <laughs> okay. for gates. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And that is really great advice. <laughs> yeah, because you want to be able to move. So, like, here are the things that I always think of when I'm doing pasture setup: is you want to be able to get in and out of it easily from any direction that you think you might be coming from. And that'll really depend on your setup. But for us, there's two different ways that we could possibly be approaching our smaller pastures that we've built within our bigger ones. And one of them is either like from the barn, which would be from the outside. But we also sometimes need to get into those little pastures from the big pasture. Mm -hmm. So in an ideal world, I would have access on both sides of all of our pastures because I just never know which direction I'm coming from like when I'm mowing or trimming or doing anything else or even doing chores like the way that I do my chores differs by season and by what happens to be happening and I really like efficiency so I just want to go like boom 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 from pasture to pasture and the way that we have it currently set up I haven't been able to do that because we don't have enough gates Mm, yeah (laughs) So we're in the process of putting in more. And my gate advice is to at least have one of those gates that you have eight feet or bigger because you might need to move buildings in or out of it. And also mowers. Like our mower deck is 60 inches, so they Mm -hmm. don't fit through the pedestrian gates. You have to open the wide swing gates in order to get the mower in. And same with the tractor. The tractor doesn't fit through the pedestrian gate either. Right. (laughs) So you need at least one big gate from somewhere. And also the types of gates that I use, the welded wire gates, like you mentioned, they're really hard to find. Even before COVID, they were hard to find. Like no one keeps them in stock. I like them because they're good for goats and they're good for goat kids. They keep goat kids from Mm -hmm. being able to escape. (laughs) They're tiny little things (laughs) and so I'm very picky about the gates like I won't I won't retrofit a tube gate because I'm afraid that they would just end up like getting whatever I figured out how to secure onto it loose so I order the welded gates and most farm stores will order them for you so like TSE family farm and home rural king they'll all order them for you if you just go in and talk to them and then Mm -hmm. the gates you need just show up it's like magic (laughs) they show up and nobody's gonna like steal them from you because they'll have your name on them yeah exactly so I have all the gates I need now just leaning up against the fence because that was what we did to finally get them in I got tired of driving from store to store looking for them (laughs) yeah I don't blame you So what is your first tip for fence building? So mine is kind of a broad one. Just don't skimp on building fences the right and complete way. This is not an area in the farm where I have found that it's been wise to be cheap, if I'm just going to say it plainly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is like a spare no expense type project because if you do this cheaply, you're just going to end up replacing your fence and it's always a big project you're going to be replacing it or constantly repairing it so save up your money and do it the right way the first time and it's going to save you a lot of headache also depending on the kind of livestock you have don't think that an animal weighing a thousand pounds 
can't jump your fence because as we all learned (laughs) this past winter fancy she you know aspired to be in the olympics this year for track and field but she didn't quite make it so (laughs) but she practiced real hard for a couple weeks here until we put that top hot wire line in because you know when we first started we just had goats which just require like a four by four welded wire about four feet tall well, homegirl fancy can jump that. So putting in a top hot wire, and luckily she grew up around hot wire. We got her when she was a little over a year old. So as soon as we put it in and we trained her on it and she figured out what it was, she's done a really good job respecting it. I've seen sometimes where she's gotten hyper and runs around and I can tell she's kind of thinking about jumping out. So I'm thinking I want to put in like a second line, like a foot or so down, just for my peace of mind. And really, like, stretching hot wire and setting that all up, like, my husband does it, but it doesn't look that hard compared to stretching, like, a big roll of fence. Oh, yeah. So definitely think through the kind of livestock you have or that you might have and try to mingle or if you're going to rotate pastures and just do it the right way the first time. So you're not chasing your cow through your neighbor's backyards. Yeah. You know what they say? Good fences make good neighbors. Yes. Yes, (laughs) they do. (laughs) Yes. Uh, That's actually, that's really good advice. I 100% second that. And we tend to spare no expense with fences. And while we were building this most recent pasture, Jared was like, do we overkill on fences? And I was like, you know what? I kind of feel like fencing is one of those things that you can't overkill on. Like if you do a really good job on it and it's a really nice fence, it just lasts longer. That's like the only downside. (laughs) Right. And honestly, even if you do technically like go overkill and maybe do more than you need to, in my book, if that makes you sleep better at night and it is effective and it's not harming anything, like, don't listen to the haters if they, like, make fun of you for it. Because I'm all, I am all for you having peace of mind with your livestock. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so my next piece of advice for fencing, and this is something that I wish I would have had the foresight to do, is I wish I would have built a catch pen in between each of the smaller pastures that we put in. And a catch pen is basically just like a, it's like a chute or like a tunnel of Mm -hmm. fencing in between each one. So I would have probably made it like eight to 10 feet or so wide enough to drive the mule through or like, you know, the tractor, something like that. Nothing like too big. But if we had done that, that would have avoided the problem that we could end up with which is animals mating through the fence Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's a space there's like a no man's land in between also if you have a breach which is something that we have had here as well is then the animal that breached the fence just ends up in the no man's land and not in their friend's pasture which I mean we use the term friend loosely around here some animals on my farm are friends but aren't very nice friends to each other yes it happens so that is a plus side for having a catch pen in between and also that narrow space allows you a place to kind of put an animal in a safe smaller area 
for doing like any type of healthcare or anything that you need. Like I'm thinking of Percy the cow. He's not halter trained yet. But if I had a catch pen area, I could corner him into that and work really slowly on halter training him or, you know, perhaps put like a head gate over in that area and Uh be able to like catch him for shots and whatnot. Not having that space has kind of hobbled our, our ability for like his routine health maintenance. So we're working on figuring out how we're going to handle that. We're probably going to end up just having to lasso him. (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Well, uh, my neighbor lasso, so that's not going to be a problem. Yeah, so we know that he'll get caught. Um, It's just that he's not going to be very happy at first. But That's what I'm more concerned about, not the catching part, the kicking part. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They always calm down after a little bit, though. I've seen him do it, and it's not nearly as dramatic as you think it is like they tire out pretty fast and then they're just like okay fine do what you need and then they give you a dirty look and then you let them go and they go back they go back on their way (laughs) he'll be salty yeah he will he'll be salty for a little while but he also won't end up with all of the weird you know black leg and stuff that is able to be gotten by cows in our area so (sighs) (laughs) trade-offs so that's one thing that I wish I would have done but The thing about doing that like catch pen area in between your pastures is that obviously adds a lot of space that your pastures need and also cost because you're running twice as much fence on those sides. Uh When you can share a side, you're saving all that money on fencing. So that's just something I wanted to mention. We wish we would have done that, whether or not we would have actually spent the money to do it or the time if we had thought of it beforehand. I have no idea because I can't go back in the past but now that we're where we are now I'm like gosh I would have totally done that (laughs) yeah the next lesson learned that I will share today is that if you're starting from scratch I would really recommend building bigger than you need if you can obviously budget kind of goes into that or make sure you're building in a way where you can easily add on later we just made one big pasture and then a little small pasture for our bucks because there's only two of them. And then we had the ability to do a split down the middle and then we did another split this spring. So now we kind of did this in phases because at first we just had the goats and then we had the cow and then the cow ate the grass really fast in our one pasture. So we split the other one and now we rotate back and forth and the grass looks so much healthier because it gets a nice break and then the goats go in whatever one the cow's not in and eat the taller weeds. Like it's like beautiful circle of life stuff happening over here. <laughs> so That's so awesome. <laughs> yes. So if you're starting from scratch, like depending on your animals that you're plating to get, like just one big blank canvas, like perimeter fence isn't a bad idea because you might be able to do more with it later. Now that will require, depending on what kind of fencing you're setting up, you cutting the fence that you worked so hard to put up in the first place, putting in new posts, putting in new gates. But honestly, once you have that one big block kind of done, if you're going to split later, it's like a half a day project, really, if, if it's not like a huge area. So... You can kind of rip the band-aid off and do the big project and then do the little projects later. Or just make sure that if you're building, you know, a big square or rectangle or whatever for your first pasture, 
that you're thinking about if you want to add on later. Just making sure you have space to get in and out if you add on. <laughs> or like the whole building thing too. Like maybe you want to put a building in before you put the fence in just because that would be easier. Like just try to sit down and think through your plans for like the next couple of years. Obviously they could change and that's okay. But just think about your next step after this one, just to make sure you're not like kind of painting yourself into a corner <laughs> with your initial fencing decisions. That's a really good advice. <laughs> and that brings me to my last bit of fencing advice, which is that retrofitting is totally possible. Yes. So it's really important to know that no matter what you're starting out with, you can make it into whatever you need it to be. And we have done that here. Our original pasture was a horse pasture. So it was just horse fencing, like that wooden horse fencing. So it's got like three tiers of boards straight across and then just like the wooden posts. And it looks really nice, but it's not useful for any animal smaller than a mini donkey. Because <laughs> everything can just walk right under it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with a little bit of creativity, we were able to keep that fence that we really liked and that looked nice. We just like, we wrapped the, we used two by four welded wire for our fencing here. Here and we just nailed that to the back side of that horse fencing and that made it so that the goats can't just walk right out and then we were able to use that to tie into to build all of the smaller pastures within the big I think our big pasture is about two and a half acres to cut that into smaller sections because like if you put seven goats on two and a half acres like you'd never find them again (laughs) they would just be like in the tallest grass hiding yeah They just don't need that kind of space. So don't be worried about retrofitting anything. Sometimes you have to get a little creative, like I mentioned, but that saves you from having to like tear down a whole fence project and think that you have to start from scratch and replace it because you don't unless it's like something really janky or too old or like can't be tied into but we're actually we're in the process of we didn't put in enough gates into our original fencing plan so we're working on pulling t-posts and cutting fence that's already been stretched and we're putting in new posts and h braces to hang more gates and so far that's working really well um we haven't run into you know anything that has stopped us from being able to do it. I mean, it's a little more work doing it after the fact. But then on the other hand, we also didn't spend all of that money doing things that we ended up not needing or using. Like we used the fence as it was and we were like, all right, this is a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> we need more access. <laughs> so we bought all the stuff and ordered it and we're just slowly adding more access as we can. And it's working out really well. I think my last piece of advice for today is to ask for help. It's not even that people need to necessarily be like skilled fence builders that are coming to help you. Um, But if it's like your first big project and like it was just me and Matt, we put in all the T posts ourselves and then the wood posts, like the corner posts and the H braces. And then we had my brother and sister-in-law come help us with the actual fence stretching part. And it wasn't like everybody had a job to do the whole time, but it was nice to have extra hands and people around to help out. Like 
my sister-in-law and I did all like the, we just did zip ties when it was just goats to the T-posts, like heavy duty ones. So we were kind of going around doing that and kind of being gophers a little bit, but I was also like making sure like there was food in the crock pot and like we had time to eat and keeping an eye on my niece and nephew and making sure they were being helpful, which they kind of were. We got some pretty adorable pictures of them quote unquote helping. Um, but it made the project really fun. And when it's a big project like that on your farm or your property, and you have special people helping you, it just makes it even more like monumental and, and less, at least for me, it felt less stressful. I can't speak for my husband, but my, <laughs> my brother was probably a little more helpful than I would have been, but it all, it all worked out. So don't be afraid to ask for help, whether it's just to have some extra support while you're doing a big project, or if you do know somebody that really knows what they're doing, and you want to learn from them, it might not hurt to help them and just bribe them with some beverages and some pizza or something. And, you know, don't be afraid to borrow tools from people either. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like we have an auger attached to our tractor right now for adding fence posts. We borrowed that from one of our neighbors, and it was mm -hmm. so nice of them to let us use it. But it's, mm -hmm. It helped us save, like, a really big chunk of money because to buy an auger that fits our tractor would have cost us several hundred dollars. Yeah. And so now we don't have to do that because, really, we're not going to use an auger often enough to justify owning one ourselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I realized I have one more piece of advice for oh. pasture building that I totally forgot to write down and add to the notes. But my very last piece of advice for real is if you have animals that can benefit from it, shade, put oh, yes. some shade in your pastures. My pastures didn't have any trees or anything in them. So we had to build all of the shade, um, which honestly, I didn't feel like our buildings really created as much shade as our animals need for how hot it gets in the summertime, especially on those really sweltering days. So we're also in the process of adding a willow tree to each pasture so that each animal is going to get some snacks, <laughs> mm -hmm. but also shade, and it's going to be really nice. And the way that we built our fencing around the trees is we sunk four-inch posts into the ground, into a square, planted the tree in the middle, and then wrapped it with four-foot fence all the way around it. And that's tall enough for our animals that we have that they can't reach their heads over and munch on the poor baby tree while it's still growing. So that's working out really well. And we put the fence up about two inches off of the ground so we could get the trimmer under it to trim around the fence that's around the tree. And around the tree, we also put down weed cloth and mulched it all in so that we won't have to be weeding around that tree super often. But Jared actually fashioned one piece of the fence that stretched. He like hog ringed it to one of the other fences. So if we ever needed to get in there, we could just break the hog rings and unwrap the fence yeah. and get in and then just rewrap it and rehog ring it. And the hog ringer that we have is like super fast. So that's not going to be nearly as hard as having to like pull fence staples out to mm -hmm. get into the tree <laughs> yeah no that's that's a good piece of advice luckily where we built our fence there was trees so we could mindfully build around those for the purpose of shade 
But yeah, that's that's another. If it's just a wide open space, that's a good thing to consider. Yeah, because I I don't know what the purpose of pastures without trees were. Maybe it was just to like run animals a little faster or easier, be able to see them. But for our purposes, we realized shade would be more useful than just mm-hmm. wide open spaces. Mm-hmm. First Saturday lime isn't just for your coops and barns. There are so many ways to use it around your home. You can use First Saturday Lime to create a barrier around your home, your boots, and your firewood to keep unwanted bugs away. First Saturday Lime can also be used as a whitewash, and it can be used to balance out the pH in water to prevent algae growth. With so many uses, you really can't go wrong using this safe, organic lime. Go to FirstSaturdayLime.com and use code DRINKANDFARM at checkout, and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. So that's it with our lessons learned on fencing. If you have any useful tips or things that you've learned that we didn't talk about today, you can share those in our Facebook group. It's just at We Drink and We Farm Things. Yeah. And now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. So Beth, since you're so enthusiastic about We Can't Even Corner, I'm going to let you go first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I can't even that a sunset a hot air balloon ride in Redmond, Oregon, ended in a goat pasture. Oh, that <laughs> sounds like a dream come true for me. Except I'm afraid of heights, so I oh. I'd probably pass on the hot air balloon ride. <laughs> you might. So I actually have been on a hot air balloon ride, and it was really awesome. But apparently, this sunset hot air balloon ride usually doesn't float as far south as it did. And oh. because it had gone so far south, it ended up in a wooded area of Redmond. So the pilot didn't have very many options for putting it down. And so he saw the goats, and he saw the big open goat pasture, and he just put the balloon down in the middle of it. And it was really fun. <laughs> Funny because the woman's name, so her last name was Stoner. Nice. <laughs> and when they talked to her about it, she was just like, "Yeah, I've been a, I've been farming for 21 years, and I've never seen a hot air balloon <laughs> land in our goat pasture." And it was like, "Well, yeah, that feels kind of normal." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it just cracked me up. She's like, "I was just planning on putting my chickens to bed and take a shower, and well, you know." Then this happened, so I guess I had to change my plans. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, the whole thing wasn't really all that crazy, but just the way everybody talked about it, I just couldn't even about. So you guys need to go watch this video. It's only, like, 2 minutes and 47 seconds long, and I don't know. Maybe when you watch it, you'll be like, Bev's a weirdo. Why did she think this was so funny? But I don't watch much news, like, on TV. I listen to a lot of it on, like, podcasts and stuff. So, like, just, like, the drama about the balloon landing in the goat pressure I was just cracking up about (laughs) that's probably the most exciting news that that area has had for a while I mean it might be yeah so what is your can't even this week mine is from newatlas.com and there was actually quite a few news articles on this but I liked this one the best and it is about a new study that hypothesize no we'll say summarizes i think they did come to a pretty solid conclusion here uh that caffeine boosted bees 
more efficiently home in on target flowers. Oh. Yeah. So a new study has found caffeine can be used for to help bees locate specific flowers. The research suggests the drug enhances bee memory and makes them more efficient at homing in on certain target flowers. So the reason why they're looking at this is because like like commercial bee farms like they want their bees to hang out in a specific area and come back but sometimes the bees get like super distracted and like go off and look at the wildflowers yeah i mean i wouldn't be a very good bee because that's what i'd do yeah i think i would want that too but apparently if you drug them with caffeine it makes them more focused kind of like how i need coffee in the morning (laughs) apparently it helps the bees too so there was a study that demonstrated previously that bees preferentials they are picky about what like they seek out but if they were baited with caffeine, like if there was caffeine in the flower, they would prefer that flower over a non-caffeinated flower. So they wanted to do this study. And in this study, they like gave the bee caffeine and like flavored it with like a strawberry type flavor too before it went and flew off. And then the bees that got that special snack, we'll call it, with the caffeine, went to a flower that had the same snack on it over the flowers that didn't have it on it. Interesting. Yeah. So there were a couple other groups too. So there was like bees that didn't get the caffeine and they kind of just went off and did whatever they wanted. (laughs) They were like, just kind of like the Bev and Sam of the bee world (laughs) if they weren't caffeinated. Oh, I love it. Yes. Actually, I'll have to take that back. So a second group of bees were given the same strawberry solution without caffeine. So they got the strawberry with it. So at least they got something sweet. And then a third group was received an odorless sugar solution. And then they let the bees do their thing. And less than 45% of the sugar-only bees targeted the strawberry flowers compared to the 70% of caffeinated bees. So there is some proof there that the caffeine in the sugar mixture did its job. And that's pretty cool. So if you want to like read a well-organized article that isn't me bumbling (laughs) through it. (laughs) I like what you did there. Yeah. We'll link to that in the show notes. But it's pretty cool. That is cool. I like it. Let's hop up. But you know what? I feel like they need a study to see like if certain caffeinated amounts, like certain caffeine amounts affect the bee's like personality. Oh. Because I know if I have too much coffee, I can get a little edgy. Mm-hmm. And, and this article does say that the bees that had caffeine did move faster. <laughs> <laughs> like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Yeah. Yeah. So does it make them more aggressive? I don't know. But I know if I have too much caffeine, I get a little punchy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, cool stuff in the scientific world. So I thought it was pretty cool to share today. Because I can't even. That's awesome. So you can send us your can't evens by dropping those in the Facebook group. But you could also message those to us on Facebook, Instagram, or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And be sure and leave us a review because we read one Apple Podcast review on the show per week. And you'll get entered into a drawing to win an awesome exclusive mug that is not and will never be in the shop.
That's right. And for the first week of August, we do not have a review to share with you. So if you haven't left a review, go do that. But we do have the July winner to announce. And that is Karen at Wolf Creek Family Farm. Woohoo! Awesome, Karen. I wanted to say, I almost said weehoo, and then I like changed it because I was just that excited. Weet woo. Weet woo. <laughs> Weet woo. Sounds like a little robot. <laughs> oh, I love it. Karen, I have your address, so I'm just going to send you the mug. <laughs> it, maybe make sure she doesn't get it before the episode drops. Oh, fair She'd enough. She'd be fair so enough. confused. <laughs> She's like, wow, they what are like this? on it. <laughs> okay, I'll wait until the day the episode drops and then I'll order it. How's that? <laughs> That's that might give her time to catch up on the on the podcast. So it's probably yeah. but it might still surprise her, but I kinda like that at the same time. Yeah, yeah. All right. So just a few housekeeping items. We have a newish series over on Patreon called Straight No Chaser. And this is available to our patrons at the $5 level and above. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more, you can go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm to see how you can get signed up for that. And we're doing a like a theme this month of August, and we're pretty excited about it. So if you're not signed up for that, go do it. It is a great way to support the podcast and get more content from us. Yeah, and those Straight No Chases are a lot of fun. They're great little episodes. They are filled with all sorts of information and fun ideas for your farmer homestead. Be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because this helps more people like you find this podcast. And do us a favor and share this episode over on Instagram in your stories and tag at Drink and Farm because when you do that, we're going to send you a promo code just for this episode and give you a percentage off in our shop, which you want because we just launched our August shirt of the month and it is seasonal and fun and I am excited about it. Me too. So make sure you take a look at the show notes. You'll find links to our can't evens, a survey to tell us how we're doing anonymously, links to our social media, and links to that merch shop so you don't miss that shirt of the month. So that's it. That is it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And until next time, drink, farm, and give zero clucks. <laughs> Bye now. Bye. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.